Within a couple of days of each other, I had two truths hit me right between the eyes. First, while interviewing best-selling author Michael Michalowicz, he dropped this bomb. When the business depletes of OpEx, that's when the business is speaking to you that there's a fundamental flaw in the business itself. Michalowicz was referring to the depletion of operating capital while in an economic slowdown imposed by the government. People typically identify the economy being stifled as the problem when in actuality, the external economic challenge reveals the internal problem that there is a fundamental flaw in how the business has been operating. The challenges we face are not the problem. Challenging times will always come. However, the challenges presented by the obstacles we encounter do have a way of exposing our weaknesses. Next, I had a client of mine post this quote about embracing the uncertainty. While the unknown can hold plenty of bad things, it also holds everything good as well. It's overflowing with opportunity and progress. Overcoming challenges are a growth opportunity. Usually they become the best part of our success story. In this episode, we will help you identify the right problems by focusing on what you can control while discovering the opportunity for growth in the face of a challenge. At the end, we will share a couple of tools to help you get on the right path to both big results professionally and a fulfilling personal life. You are capable of more, capable of both big results professionally and a fulfilling personal life. All it takes is a few minor intentional adjustments to align your life for success at an accelerated rate. And we are here to help you on the Aligned Life Pro. Welcome to the Aligned Life Pro. This is Mike Indafo, and joining me today, as I hope they will every episode, is best-selling author Michael Lennington and the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert. How are you all doing today? We're doing, doing great. Well. This is our very first episode. I'm super excited. I'm sure you guys are as well. Right now, I'm supposed to be on the backside of Churchill Downs looking at all these horses, but if I can't be on the backside of Churchill Downs, which is my very favorite place in the entire world, I'm glad to be here with you guys. I wish I had a cool place that I should be right now, but I don't. So I guess I'm supposed to be right here. No, absolutely. So, you know, all you can do is be where you're supposed to be. You got, I wish you all were on the backside of Churchill Downs with me, but this is, this is pretty good. Me too. I wish I were there with you too, Mike. <laughs> Let's talk about what this show's going to be real quick, just kind of just to you know, just give a brief introduction about what we're hoping to accomplish with the Align Life Professional. What we hope to accomplish with this is, as the three of us have been mind mapping and brainstorming and, and having content, the Align Life grew out of those original conversations. And, and what became very apparent to us is that people work day to day, they have successful business, but there's, there's pieces of their business and their personal life that are not quite in alignment. They're out of whack. And, and as a result, it's kind of throwing off other aspects of your business and your personal life. So what we want to do is get everything lined up straight and optimize every potential opportunity you have before you. And that's really the trick, isn't it, Michael? I think once you get everything aligned in your life, it kind of propels you almost like rocket fuel. It does. And I think I think this image of perfection of alignment, we're probably never going to be perfect. And so really, though, it's being intentional, right? We have an intention for where we want to be, and it helps us to get better. I, I don't think perfection is, is in the offing here, but it, but it certainly is an, an opportunity to think about where in your life, you're, you're losing energy and you're losing focus and you're, and you're in maybe some pain spots that, that really need to be addressed. And that's what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about aligning the things that are important so that we can accomplish more in life and really with, with excitement, fun and energy. Right. So, so, you know, life, life is either, either hard or it's a hell of a lot of fun. And, and I think it's a lot more fun when, when everything kind of 
links up and fits and locks in together. I'm having a blast right now with what we're doing and what we're trying to pull in from from different directions and align it into this podcast. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I mean, basically what Michael just said, I mean, you're uh, you're never in balance. You're always balancing. You're never in alignment. You're always aligning. And this show's going to be kind of like going to your chiropractor, right? So we're going to be making, helping you make those adjustments along the way, confronting a lot of the normal issues that we know that pop up from time to time, giving you practical ways on how to deal with those things. That's what I'm most excited about. I think we're going to help a whole lot of people. And unlike a chiropractor, that we're less expensive and you can't submit it to your insurance company. Ooh, I wonder if Good we point. can figure that part <laughs> out, you know? Get, a, get insurance, get people's insurance to, to pay us. That'd be pretty good. So very clear to me when we were kind of going through our, our five-hour strategy session that we all are very much in a line in trying to help people as much as possible achieve an optimized life, right? That's That, that word optimized came up a ton. And optimization is, is by your definition, right? It doesn't, there's not a, an external definition of what optimism or optimization is for you. It's it's yours, and you know if you're there, that's great. How do you stay there, and how do you how do you go even farther if you want to? And then for those that aren't there yet, we're going to talk a lot about ways to help you get there. So I'm really excited about this because I think I think in many ways, Mike, that that our lives and our you know the things that we've done in our lives and our our journeys kind of led up to this point in a in a meaningful way. And that I've been a student of of a lot of this stuff over the years. I wrote a book called The Twelve Week Year that helps people to accomplish more in life. But the, but the 12 week year, like anything is, is, is got some holes in it. And, and what I'm really excited about is I think this stuff we're working on right now fills a lot of those holes. I, I'm just really, really blessed to be with you guys. And, and I'm really excited about the journey we're on. That's a great point. You know, from a coach's perspective, we want to optimize what we're doing, but when we're practicing in the moment, we can't see outside of ourselves to see where we may be out of alignment sometimes. So the coach comes back and, and helps you to optimize those those places that you need to get in. So it's it's I really like what you said, Michael. I think it just ties it all together. All right. Well, pretending there- not to know is a problem, right? So I pretend not to know a lot of things, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some inconvenient truths to kind of phrase. Start with one of those inconvenient truths right now. We're gonna go right off the bat. We're probably gonna hit some people right between the eyes with this one. In the time of a crisis, the problem that people think is the problem is rarely the problem. So the crisis being the external problem really is not the problem, is it, Michael? No, well, it's a problem, right? I mean, you know, it'd be better if it wasn't there, the external crisis, and whether it's a it's a global pandemic or whether it's, you know, your daughter just wrecked your car. You know, there's, there's crises and there's crises. But sometimes, though, they're a problem. But the reality is you don't control those. You don't control the, the global pandemic and you don't control you know, what happens with your car when your daughter's driving it or your son, by the way, don't mean to be sexist about that. Just that I have a daughter that wrecks my car. Um, so, <laughs> Hopefully I will not yeah. have a daughter that wrecks my car. So, <laughs> but, but anyway, the, the point is, is that it's really about control, right? Because if, if you if you see the problem you don't have control over or influence on, it's never going away. So what I hear you say, I guess, is the, and, and Kristen, feel free to chime in here. When we talk about the external problem, I'm going to label it as the obstacle. Okay. And because I think you have the external obstacle and then your it kind of reveals your internal problems. So we we label fair or not fair, I don't know, the external obstacle is if the person who concentrates on the external obstacle only as kind of being the victim. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And 
I would also like to kind of clarify when we talk about the word victim in our world, in the coaching world, in the execution world, we're not talking about being victimized. There are people in the world who truly are victims that have been victimized by things. What we're talking about is, is victim mindset, victim thinking, as in, you know, it's not my fault. I can't be great because there's always some external something that's holding me back. And if it weren't for those obstacles, I would truly be this perfect, wonderful, great, whatever, fill in the blank you want to be. So when, when we talk about victim in our, the context of our conversations, it, it's a, a way of thinking. That, that's right. And, and I'd say also, Kristen, just dawned on me that, you know, when you think about being um, a, having a situation that creates kind of this victim mentality for a bit, you know, there, there are times when those situations are pretty dramatic, right? They're, they're pretty traumatic. They're pretty uh, impactful. And, and it may not be that necessarily somebody else victimized you. It may just be that something incredibly bad happened accidentally. But, you know, sometimes those, those things are so impactful that it's hard to let them go quickly. I think to some degree with external events, Mike, and I, and I want to just acknowledge it because I know that people may be thinking this, is that, you know, sometimes you need, a, you need a moment or two to grieve to catch your breath. You know, you get hit in the gut and you kind of got to walk it off a little bit. Um, and so sometimes you know, there's this, the thing happens and I've got to be right now, I've got to be fighting back. Well, well, maybe there needs to be some time for you to absorb and assimilate what's changed, right? So it doesn't, doesn't mean that you, day one, you've got to all of a sudden be super person, but it does mean that, that there's, a, there's a part of this, no matter what happens, that you control and then realizing you do have degrees of freedom and acting on that stuff. And I don't want to get too deep because I just want to say that, you know, we're exploring this, like you guys are hearing us explore it and, and you are exploring it as well, the listeners. So, so we're not, we're not saying that we have all the answers, but, but we do have a lot of the right questions. I think that's the thing that I see is that one thing to get knocked down, but it's, it's another thing to stay down, right? It's when a, when a boxer gets knocked down, they've got 10 seconds to get up, right? So they can take assessment They you know, you can get that standing eight count. You can kind of regroup, you know, you can absorb the fact that you just got knocked down, but then you got to get back up and you got to get ready to take action. So whereas, you know, these external triggers though, a lot of times give several people these convenient reasons to basically perpetuate these lies. And, and a lot of times these lies that they tell themselves are not even lies that really even started with them. I love what Les Brown says, you know, Les Brown says, don't let someone else's opinion about you become your reality. You know, we talk, we've talked a lot about uh, off air. We've talked a lot about how, how labels can affect people and how, uh, you know, maybe a, t a teacher, a bad interaction with a teacher or a coach or a parent, and they told you this one thing that just that you've worn like a like a heavy weighted jacket for a long time because, you know, someone said that you were dumb or someone said that you can't do this or whatever else. And you've just worn that jacket and you have the ability to take that jacket off that that opinion of, that someone has of you does not have to uh, be something that you embody. That's such a great point, Mike. And Kristen, that's what you do for a living, right? Is that people people can't always see those those abilities. People don't always believe what what they'd like to believe about themselves. And that's where a coach, um, sometimes a you know a therapist, even if, if it's significant. But but we getting external help is really important. And Kristen, you do that a lot with people. I know that you know a lot of the people that call you up are really successful, but also some people have some significant things they want to overcome, right? And they and and they know they don't necessarily want to do it by themselves. So it's perfectly fine to ask for help. And I think that's one of the signs of, of really taking ownership. 
along those same lines, Mike, when you were talking about per- perpetuating lies that we tell ourselves, you know, a lot of people have this mindset that I have to do it alone. I have to do it all by myself so that, you know, the greatness is all mine. And, you know, we're not wired that way. We're not, we're not wired to be in, interdependent, you know, and conversely, we're also not wired to be codependent. We're meant to be interdependent. That's what we really want to talk about in this show is, is how our thinking then really causes us to, to take action. That's good stuff right there. I tell you, I, I, I love this topic I, just because I think it can be so empowering, right? And the other thing I really like about it, and it took us a while, like when, when we get into a crisis mode, you realize that you might not have the financial reserves that you wanted to have. You realize that you might not have the staff or the team members that you want to have. You realize maybe your family life is not where it needs to be. Maybe your spiritual life is not where it needs to be. Maybe your health is not where it needs to be. But the funny thing is, is that these crises just have a way of kind of showing us these things, right? So, and and when things are good, we can almost avoid them because all these things are kind of good in spite of my health not being good or in spite of, you know, some things that might be going on at home or whatever else. But the crisis can just completely expose all these things and it can be done in a really beautiful way. I, I couldn't agree more, Mike. <laughs> That's really profound. It really is. But it forces that confrontation, Kristen. And, and Michael, you've got a really good story about your daughter and her move to Michigan or northern Michigan. Yeah, I, I, it's a great story because it's personal and I lived it and I know all the ins and outs of it. But in, in my daughter's junior year, we lived in uh, southern Michigan, which is a pretty populated area. A lot of stuff going on. She had a lot of friends. School she went in, I think, had 500 people in her graduating class. So it was, wasn't huge, but it wasn't small. And she had a pretty active social life, a lot of friends. And about that time, we were making a decision as a family to relocate up to northern Michigan for a lot of reasons, partly because we, we really love the countryside up there and we were planning to do it. So we asked both of our daughters who were living with us at the time, would you like to move up north? Would you be okay with that? And they both said, yeah, it'd be great, a lot of fun. Well, I think they, they agreed to that in ignorance. So we get up to northern Michigan and we went from a, a school with a graduating class that Courtney was in as a junior of 500 to a school that had less than 500 people in the whole high school, probably less than 200 people, 250 people in the whole high school. So it was quite a culture shock for her. And all of her friends that she had were gone now. And when she came in, I don't mean to brag, but my daughter is, was very pretty, is very pretty, sorry, honey. And she was uh, immediately accepted by the boys and the girls weren't so receptive to that. So she, she had to really navigate some water she wasn't used to navigating. And she fell into what I, I want to call a depression. And um, she was looking at the, the life she'd left and the life she had now. And she was feeling very resentful and she was feeling very angry. And she began to check out. She began to sleep a lot. She began to uh, be frustrated with, with the family and, and getting in fights with her sister a lot. And she began to act out in a lot of different ways. And so and we were very concerned and we would talk to her and, and, and just kind of challenge her and, and encourage her. But, but she was very, very locked in on being victimized by choices that mom and I made. And so in that, in that, that process, um, one day things just changed. It was amazing. We just like completely like flipping a switch. She was much happier, much more engaged. She wasn't sleeping as much. Um, You know, she was sleeping enough, but she wasn't sleeping all the time. And her attitude was completely different. She started doing things with her friends and, uh, you know, started starting really, really doing a lot more and going snowboarding, inviting herself to different things. And, and she just really became the social person she had been before we moved. So, so somehow something changed and really ultimately 
it was her thinking. And, and, I, and I walked into a room one morning and on her mirror, she had a quote. And, and I'd like to just quickly share it with you. It says, sure. Charles Swindoll. And he, he said that the remarkable thing is we have choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing that we can do is play the one string that we have, and that's our attitude. And I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% of how we react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. She had that quote taped to her mirror, and she read it every morning as she got ready, and, and it changed her life. It, it was an amazing flip. And so she had decided to take ownership of her thinking, which caused her to, to behave differently, which caused all of the people around her to react to her differently. And she led her life completely differently from that point forward and in a much better way. I was in awe of her, and I haven't seen adults be able to make changes like that. I have, I've worked with people over the years who just are so invested in being a victim to the circumstances that they're in that they're not willing to get back. It's so awesome to hear that example come from one of your kids. It's always great when you can look at your kids as an example of what we're supposed to do. You know, yeah. It's funny yeah, you say that, Mike, because as as a coach with my family, with my kids, you know, we have to we have to set boundaries in the conversation sometimes because I have to ask, do you want mom's opinion or do you want the coach's opinion? Because <laughs> too many times in, in our family discussions, my kids will say, I don't need a coach right now. I just need my mom. And uh, Charles Swindoll actually has another great quote that kind of leads us into our next little part of this whole conversation, but he also says, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. So the beautiful thing about crisis, and this actually mentioned in the, in the open, is manifested in the, that quote that I shared about how the uncertain times just hold all this thing, that, everything that's good, all this progress, innovation that can come out of this. And so we have the problem but there's so much good that comes out of the problem. The, the obstacle we have to overcome is, is part of our story. And it's usually the really good part of our story. When we get to the, the innovation opportunity that comes from as a result of being confronted with these obstacles, the first thing that I notice is that it has a, being these crisis or whatever you want to call them, they have a way of kind of clarifying your priorities and removing the distractions. Kristen, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think when we're faced with crisis, we get smacked between the eyes that we have to do something right now. And it, it may be something that we have to react to quickly in the moment that, you know, in, in normal times, as it were, we don't we don't we can cruise a little bit. But but when faced with a crisis, we have to really confront ourselves and, and really dig into what do I have control over in this? What was I pretending not to notice before? And what am I willing to own right now to come out of this on the other side? And to use Michael's example on the first uh, part of the show about, you know, your daughter getting in a car accident. If you get that phone call as a dad, the only thing that matters is, is your daughter okay? I mean, that's it. Like, it doesn't matter what appointments we have the rest of the day. It does not matter. And it doesn't matter if she's at the hospital or if she's just stuck on some random street corner waiting for the cops. The only thing that matters is that, is your daughter okay? And so all those other distractions of our day just kind of melt away. And we go straight to where, where we're needed to rise up and take action. 
Yeah, when we are, you know, just cruising around day to day in our normal, everything's fine mode, we're not paying attention to a lot of things. And, and when those crises come into play, you know, we, we really have to then decide in the moment where, where we need to spend our time, what's the most powerful and urgent thing that, that we need to do right now. Yeah, when we're comfortable, we don't want to change. No, we don't. Absolutely. That's that's a great point right there, Michael. When we're comfortable, we don't want to change. And then when we're comfortable, you know, we have a way of these weaknesses to kind of like these bad habits that kind of just kind of start growing and compounding over time. And the crisis or the obstacle that we're confronted with, and like we've talked about before, just it, it creates this wonderful growth opportunity to confront these uh, these issues and take action. And Kristen, I'm sure you've had several clients that you've worked with in the past where you've helped them confront an obstacle in a very healthy way. Yeah, it, it usually typically starts out too with, you know, when a crisis occurs and, and people start to kind of hunker down a little bit, it's like, well, it's not my fault. I, I, I can't do anything about this. You know, current landscape of, of today, too many people say, well, I had no control over any of this. No, you don't. You have no idea or have no control over what other people are going to do. But what you do have control over is how you think about something and how you can take action from that. And if you're honest about where you haven't been spending your time or you haven't been doing things that you know needed to be done differently, it's to Michael's point that that comfort level, those comfort levels give us incredible passes to say, you know, I, I don't have to pay attention to this because it's not really impacting me that much. And, I, you know, it's, it's not my fault. It's just not my fault. So when you begin to look at things as, okay, what can I do in this? What do I have control over? What is my fault in this? Will I acknowledge it? Will I be honest about it? And can I take action and move on from this? You begin to, to change everything around you then. And in that crisis, there will come great opportunity. Uh, and like, for example, one of the opportunities out there that I think is really good is that we literally, the three of us were on a call with like, I don't know, seven or eight other people right as the shutdown was starting to take form. And every single one of these business owners was complaining about how there was no talent out there for them to recruit. Well, guess what? Now there's all kinds of talent available, but are your financial systems in a spot where you have the resources available to you? Is your, the health of your business, the, the foundational parts of your business strong enough that you can go take advantage and capture that talent that is, that's available now that was not available six weeks ago. I think that's an incredible opportunity in the business world. Oh, absolutely. You know, crisis is, is kind of like, you've got points of pain when, when things are normal and, and you're comfortable, but you're so used to it because it's such a day-to-day -day point of life that that, that mild pain, you're, it's not even conscious anymore. It, it's, you've gotten used to it and you've gotten comfortable with it. Crisis comes on the scene and suddenly those points of pain really, really hurt. And you, you have to take action in order to alleviate that pain. And it's, it's also understanding that I created that pain because I didn't address things or I just let it cruise or whatever the case may be. Now I'm forced to do something about it. And when I say you're forced to do something about it, even not doing anything is an action because you could sit still and not do anything and the crisis that's blowing up your life, it's gonna end it, or you're not your life, but your your business, whatever you're going through. And then 
or you have choice to grow from this. The amount of new healthy forest that comes out of a forest fire, that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's oh, great the, analogy, right? The the growth that happens and how well how good that is for the soil when we have those forest fires. There's some some seeds, pine cones, that without a forest fire can never open up and and hit the ground and and begin to germinate. So sometimes we need a crisis in our life to really create that dramatic change that we say we want, but we're comfortable and aren't taking action to get to. I I had the pleasure of interviewing Bob Berg yesterday, who wrote The Go-Giver, one of the really influential books in my life. And we spent a long time talking about identifying your natural gifts and abilities. And I think one of the things that really kind of also comes out of a crisis is that your natural gifts and abilities kind of rise up to the surface. It's, it's real easy to see how you react in a positive way. What, what gifts you have that kind of come to the surface for you to take action on. I think that, you know, we talk about the crisis as an opportunity, you know, at first that's not the, not the way you respond to it, but it's going to identify Like you were talking, Mike, those systems that really, you were able to tolerate, but they're really not in control. So if your finances are, are not strong, you can't survive a situation like this. So strategically, a strong financial position allows you to take advantage of the recruiting opportunities and other opportunities that are out there. So, you know, even if you're not in a strong financial position, it doesn't, you know, don't be a victim to that either, but take the lessons on and what can you do today and what will you continue to do in the future to put yourself in a position so that you're not in that vulnerable position? I think this, the crisis gives you opportunities to look at where you want to get in better alignment. And that's why this whole conversation we're having today really got started is how do we align those things that are truly out of alignment that now we're aware of so that we don't get in this situation again. Some people are going to come out of this situation that we're in right now stronger than they were before. Some people are going to come out of it with a failed business. And some of that's because of the industry I'm in and the things that happened. But at one level, some of it's also because of the way you went into the situation. So what's under your control is that stuff. And that's what these these conversations are going to be about. I'm really super excited about this. And, I, mean, and I think this is going to be the stuff that that we're learning from as much as the people that happen to be listening to us are going to learn. That's a great point. You know, we we are human, too. And, and so we're pulling from a lot of our own experiences. We're pulling from experiences with our clients and we're continually trying to um, refine and get better to help people refine their lives and get better. Absolutely. And that's where the innovation piece to me really comes in, too, because there's a lot of people who face in this obstacle and crisis are going to be very innovative, come up with new ideas, come up with new ways of doing things or come create new opportunities. And that's exactly what I think we're doing here too. So it's a good reminder. Oh, Mike, that's a great point. You know, we're, we're hearing that from our, my clients anyway, you know, it's not business as usual anymore. And, and they have come up with some of the most creative, wonderful things that they would have never thought of. And without this crisis and it's stuff that they're going to continue to take with them when things quote unquote go back to normal. I don't want to say crisis is wonderful, but if you embrace it, you can come out of this with so many opportunities. Well, I got to, stu- I mean, I've read a study before and I, don't, I wish I had the data in, in, in front of me, but when, uh, when uh, people were surveyed asking them what's the best thing and the worst thing that's ever happened to them, a, a big majority of them, it was the exact same uh, it was the exact same event that the, the best thing and the worst thing that ever happened to him was the exact same event because of what happened as a result as of that crisis that happened in their life. And generally speaking, the personal crisis that we have gone through have all 
had a had a bigger effect in this global crisis, I guess, that we're going through right now. So, and it's a really good example for me to just know that where we are is not where we need to stay. And, you know, where we are, it's just a date. Like you always say, Michael, it's a data point. And then, so now we know where we are and now we got to figure out where we're going. And uh, you, you like to tell the story about Lou Holtz rafting on the Snake River. I'm not going to tell it for you. I'll let you go ahead and kind of finish it. So. No, I always like to tell stories about Lou Holtz because I was a Michigan uh, fan and grad. So, so Lou, Lou was a bane in my side, not my side in particular, my <laughs> team side clearly. And so, but oh, Lou, hold on, Lou, you were in college way before Lou Holtz was coaching at Notre Dame. So, yeah, I know, but, right. but um, well, you know, I was in grad school when he was coaching. Okay, all right, all right. But you know, let's yeah, shut up, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, um, yeah, so Lou, Lou uh, I, and I admire Lou. He's a great speaker. If you ever have a chance to hear him speak, he's definitely worth it. He's very, a very powerful motivator. But what Lou, Lou says, uh, he has this concept called win, which is what's important now. And Lou tells this story the time he's whitewater rafting. And the raft he's in flips upside down. I don't know if it's a, you know, what the grade of the rapids was, what the rating of the rapids was. And for Lou, given that he's about five foot nothing, any rapids grade would probably be pretty deadly for him but he's underneath this raft and he's going down the river and he's not thinking this at the time he sort of thought back on it but but in that moment he was he was under the raft he wasn't thinking about the national championship that he might be trying to play for this year he wasn't thinking about the recruits that he was trying to get into the program what he was thinking about was getting to shore because in that moment none of that other stuff was even going to matter if he didn't survive so when we face survival crises you know, the first step we have to take is we have to do triage. We've got to get to the shore, right? And that's important to do, but it's a lot more than just getting to the shore because you can get to shore and lay there or you can get to shore and start now living your life again. And that's what Lou talks about is that you've got to deal with what's important now, but once you're on the shore, you, you can come back now to the lessons learned and back to the goals and the visions that you had before the, before the accident happened or before the, the crisis uh, occurred powerful, powerful, powerful lesson that he uses is that we have to be able to deal with what's in front of us, but then learn from that and then improve going forward. And I love that story. And it goes right down to like, okay, you know, Lou didn't stay in the water and just drown. He had to think about what can I control? He had to control his thinking, he had to control his attitude, and he had to control his actions. And it all happened in a split second, right? So Lou right then hits the water, crisis hits him, he can't think that he's going to drown. He's got to think that he's going to get to shore, right? He's got to, he's got to have that attitude that he's going to get through this and he's going to have to take immediate action and swim like, like no other to try to get to, uh, to safety. And then now that he's done that, you know, then he's got a no, a whole nother set of thinking and actions to do moving forward. I love it. So let's start there then with how we shift our thinking from what, you know, most people right now are completely focused on what they can't do. So how do we shift our thinking to what we can do? Well, that, that's a great question. And so I have a couple ideas. I know, Chris, and you do too. But what immediately occurs to me when you ask that question, Mike, is how do I shift my thinking? The problem we have with our thinking mostly is that we're unconscious of it. Our thinking, our beliefs, um, our attitudes, you know, the, the things that, that we, we love to do and spend our time on, we're, we're kind of unconscious of most of those things at any given point in time. We're conscious maybe five, 10% of our thinking and feelings and, and all that stuff. And so once, once we kind of begin to confront the fact that our results are not working, we have to realize that the results we experience are the outcome of our actions, the actions, are the outcome of our thinking. And so it's important to think about our thinking. 
And just because we're unaware of it doesn't mean we can't call it to our awareness. And so the first step in changing our thinking is to dig into our thinking. What are our beliefs? What are our thoughts? And what's caused us to get to where we are today? What's the belief system? What's the thinking that sort of created my personal reality and my present reality? And as we think about that, we become aware of it. And that's the first step of change. I think it's really just, just really digging into why do I do things? What's the, what's the rationale? What's the mindset that creates these experiences I have in life, that creates my outcomes in life? And that journey is, is often somewhat difficult because we have to confront some of the beliefs we have, but it's hugely profitable. And that's where crisis is so helpful because it kind of, it kind of knocks us for a second and knocks us off our comfort zone. And, and now we've got to kind of flail around and think about what's going on. I got to share a quick story. When I um, was in college, undergrad, I was a fisheries and wildlife major, which I don't tell people that, but now it's on this podcast. So I guess everybody's going to know. <laughs> um, but anyway, I had, as part of that, that degree program, I had to have an internship. So I went to a trout farm and worked in a trout farm for a summer and I had to write a paper on it and all that. But one of the few things I remember which I guess speaks to how much attention I was paying, was that when, when we were moving fish from one pond to another, there was a period of time where they were going to be in some kind of a, a container that we would then move from one pond to the next pond and then put them back in the pond. And if you were really super gentle with the fish, if you didn't jar them, there was a big chance they were going to die because if their system didn't cause them to start swimming and start to breathe, they could just kind of quietly drift to the bottom of the pond and then die. So what we had to do with the fish is we had to give them a jolt, kind of check them. And at, at that point, the fish would then react and swim away and they'd start to breathe and they'd be fine. So the same thing's true of us. We kind of get comfortable. We kind of get into this torpor, this sleep. And sometimes it takes a crisis to jock us awake. And, and it's such a powerful time because, because it, it helps us to have a better life from that point forward. All right. So I also think that a big part of shifting your thinking to me, especially like right now, like if people are at home and they're not being very conscious about what they're putting in their brain, right? And I think the number one thing really you can do to shift your thinking is to really control what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, and who you associate with. Because, and right now, I don't know how much we can control who we associate with, although there's people meeting on Zoom all the time and having Zoom happy hours and whatever else. But, you know, it's, and this really kind of leads into the, what we're going to talk about in our next show, Kristen. But there's a lot of people who, you know, the, the joke on, are you going to go to Weight Watchers or Alcoholic Anonymous first when this is over? And the little memes about, hey, I just met this strange woman in uh, in my house and she said she's my wife. Like all that stuff is, is kind of funny, but in reality, it's there's some, uh, there's some level of truth to all those things. And so uh, if we're not really being conscious, like, you know, turn the, turn the news off. You watch enough news to be informed, but don't watch enough news where it starts to generate fear. Those news channels have got to keep you fearful in order to keep you watching so that they can sell advertising because they have more competition now than ever before. So we really got to be careful. It's like if you put the good stuff in, you're going to get the good stuff out. If you continually to put the bad stuff in, you know, garbage in, garbage out. The easy answer to that is you have control over all of that and because of how we think and where we're at in our lives where we're comfortable, we, we don't take actions to control those things consciously. Absolutely. Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. 
That's a very famous quote that I'm sure almost everyone's heard. So that kind of talks a lot about shifting your thinking. The next one is the attitude. You know, a lot of people right now are not mentally, their mental health right now is struggling. And, and I don't want to make light of that in any way, shape or form. And some people have serious mental health issues that, you know, they're going to need, they need help to try to overcome. But I do also think that a huge part of combating that is having this attitude of gratitude, really trying to focus on what you're grateful for. If you're at home, you know, you don't have the virus. If there's, there's always someone who's in a, in a worse spot than you, where you are right now. There's always things that you have in front of you that you can be grateful for. Focusing on what you do have and not what you don't have, I think is a good way to start and just be incredibly grateful for the blessings in our life, not what the challenge is. So I I couldn't agree more. And, you know, if, if you really spend intentional time thinking about the positive things in your life, it's just going to be a natural outcome then, you know, the, the more you think it and the more positive you are, the better the outcomes are going to be. So I would just tell people, if you're struggling with not coming up anything positive, sit down and write it on a piece of paper, you know, do an exercise of if, if this is all the negative things are happening, there's two sides to every coin. So if there's a negative to something, you can find a positive, be intentional and, and spend time digging down deep to find what that positivity is. And then what can I do to engage on the positive side of things versus the negative side of things? You know, too many people get into these crisis situations and they become Eeyore. It's like, oh, my tail fell off again. Well, no, you know, Eeyore had a bunch of friends that were happy-go-lucky. Lean into those things. That's the positive side of it. I define priorities. I look at our priorities as who or what are we giving our time, energy, and money to. And right now is a great time to assess those priorities and figure out where you're out of whack and make a commitment to utilize those resources in a healthy way moving forward. Which kind it of doesn't le- have to be all or nothing. Just just make progress. You know, you've you've heard the expression, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So if you don't have the 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 complete financial resources to do everything that you that's available to you in this this opportune time, pick the biggest and best thing that you can spend those resources on, what's available to you and, and make progress in that. And we we all agree that the thinking drives your attitude. Pat Riley said Great effort springs naturally from a great attitude. So the thinking drives your attitude and the attitude drives these these actions. You can sit on the sidelines and you can do the woe is me or you can figure out what is the important actions you got to take right now. All right, Coach Kristen, this is where you shine. Oh, gosh. So, you know, I've been thinking about everything that we've been talking about today and I had I, I kind of bullet pointed some stories I wanted to share that I've, I've come across over the years. And a lot of the uh, the stories are, are really powerful and they're really succinct to things that we talked about. And I, and I came up with one really, really powerful story that I thought really kind of encapsulated everything that we're, we were going to be talking about today. And, and as this podcast began to unfold, that story went out the window and I came up with another story. And I really wanted to share something from one of my clients, but I'm going to bring it back to me. It's actually something that happened in my life. It just really puts a spotlight on your thinking and the action you take from that and the results you get. So there was a time about 18 years ago when my husband was in a partnership and they were going to sell their business. They were going to merge with another business and 
everything looked so much optimistic and so profound on paper that, you know, he came home from work one day and he said, on paper, we are millionaires. We, we had the contract, but the, the, we hadn't signed the contracts yet. And in the blink of an eye, as we talk about crisis, we woke up the next morning and heard that the company that my husband was going to go into partnership with had done some things that were questionable and they were being investigated. Thankfully, we hadn't signed the things to go into partnership, but as a result of it, um, a lot of people lost a lot of things in those transactions that did or didn't occur. And um, one of the wives of someone that we were very close to, she was struggling very hard with with all of this and what it meant for her and her lifestyle was going to change now because of this. And I said, you know, just just think of it as an adventure, you know, and, and we'll get through this. Adventure is not always fun. Sometimes there's dangers. But if you just think of it as an adventure and you think about things positively, you know, how you come out of this the other side will will define you. And her exact words to me were F you and your effing adventure. And we're, we're not friends today because of this. She no longer wanted to talk to me. She wanted to wallow in her drudgery. Her marriage suffered because of it. Her relationship with her kids suffered because of her thinking. On the other hand, my husband and I pulled together. We hunkered down. We said, we'll weather this storm together. We shared things with our kids. We told them what they're not going to have available to them right now. But as we come out of this and we work together, we'll have other things that we'll be thankful of. And, and I'm so grateful for that bad thing that happened to me and my family because it created such a closeness that I don't think we would have ever gotten because of it. The crisis forced us to confront things in our family and we addressed them. We, we looked for the positive. We did make it an adventure. And I, I, I'm so grateful for that. You all took a positive outlook, had a positive attitude and took positive action. And when a crisis happens, a lot of people get scared. They get fearful, firm believer that the biggest cure for fear outside of having a mindset of gratitude is taking action because at that point you're making the decision to not be a victim when you take action. Yeah, Mike, we had put resources into this possible merger that um, it was if you get them back or when you get them back and then it became you're not getting them back. And so there was a time when things were pretty lean in our family and, and it was, you know, we're not going on spring break this year and it's what can we do for free? Hey, there are some cool things at the library. Let's go to the nature center. So we started thinking in different ways, kind of outside the box and our thinking took action that, that just created opportunities that brought us closer together as a family that we wouldn't have done otherwise had this not happened. All right, Kristen. So we actually got a couple tools that people can download. They can go to alignlifepro.com, go to the show notes, and there will be a link in there for you to get two resources that we have available for people. Number one, uh, I've come up with like a little bit of assessment just to kind of give a little checkup of where you are right now. I think it's always important to identify where you are right now. The other thing is, uh, and this is an exercise that both you guys are, are real passionate about. We have got a real simple mind mapping exercise that you can download. And the mind mapping exercise we did during our strategy session, it was so empowering and exhilarating to think about what the possibilities were. Yeah, Mike, just real quickly on that mind mapping, we came up with four or five ideas because of the process we used that we wouldn't have gotten had we not mind mapped. If we just kind of listed some stuff we were going to do, we would have missed it all. Talk about the mind mapping process real quick. 
Sure, uh, and I'll be I'll be brief. But the mind mapping process is a form of brainstorming that's really conducive to having a group of people. You can do it by yourself, but it's also really conducive for a group of people to come up with some great ideas to pursue to accomplish a goal. So mind mapping is all about a goal, some outcome you want to create, some eventual solution that you want to develop, and you put that that goal in the middle of the page and you circle it. And then around that circle, you just list everything that you might do that could impact your ability to hit that goal, no matter how crazy it is. And just just put it on paper. It's brainstorming. You can come back and refine it later. But right now, we just want the ideas. The ideas are gold. And so you'll get stuck once. Keep going. You'll get stuck twice. Keep going. Because after you get stuck, you get more creative and you get a little bit crazier. And some of that crazy stuff is the stuff that pays off. So it's a lot of fun and it's hugely productive. Thing too is you know, Mike, you made the point that you can do it by yourself, but it's it's good to do it with an accountability partner as well because. What comes out of that is when you begin to share some of those ideas and you begin to talk those back and forth, it, it really, I didn't think about that. And then it takes you down another track and, and the, ex, the ideas just begin to explode then. I love it. It's going to be good stuff. Head to our website, alignlifepro.com, find the show notes. You can get the links to download those tools right off the bat. And hey, while you're there, check out our social media links. We really want to interact with you guys. There's even a way for you to send us an email and Actually, you can send us a voice message, and we'd love to hear those voice messages. Uh, let us know if this episode has been helpful or if you have any kind of questions or comments. We might even play your voice message on the show. So we definitely want to hear from you. The greatest compliment you can give us is actually subscribing so that you don't miss future episodes and sharing it with your friends, family, and colleagues. And, of course, we would appreciate any reviews that you post for us as well. All right, so our next episode, guys, we're going to kind of – almost do like a part two of this thing. And we're going to really kind of start confronting those habits and routines that people kind of slip into when they kind of get knocked off track. When, uh, when the, when the crisis kind of hits them kind of hard and, and just how they kind of drift into these habits and routines that are not, not necessarily what they want to do. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. All right. So we will be back next time on the Align Life Pro.